Hello and welcome everyone to the Hold for Hold Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, Today is May 3rd and I'll just preface this at the beginning of the show. We've had a bad week, you know. Um, In real life, I had some terrible things go down, uh, you know, politically that's going to affect a lot of people and it sucks. It really does. And I just, you know, it, it feels wrong of me not to acknowledge it. And I hope you know, whoever you are, that I support your decision to be who you are and to take care of yourself the best way you feel you can, um, you know, in respects to being safe and, you know, whatever. I'm, it just sucks. But we're here to talk about wrestling. And unfortunately, we've had a kind of a bummer week in wrestling as well. We've had some releases that we got to get to today in the news. Uh, but there, it's not all bad. And I hope that by the end of this podcast, we can both kind of reconcile. And, you know, it's not everything feels huge. So let's talk about something small, pro wrestling. Um, but let's let's just start off with some bad news. All right, let's get it out of our way. Let's rip off the Band-Aid. We're going to talk about WWE's releases. Um, so last week, uh, we got some Sean Ross Sapp broke the news that WWE was releasing NXT talent. And so here's the names uh, that, you know, they released. We have Dexter Loomis, Malcolm Bivens, Dakota Kai, Draco Anthony, Harlan, a.k.a. Parker Boudreaux, uh, Persia, uh, a referee, Paige Prinzavali, Prinzavali, uh, and a couple of people that never made their TV debuts, um, Mila Malena, Raylan Devine, and Vish Kenya Kanya. Um, so, you know, best wishes out to those people that it's some truly talented people that were released, um, some that we've seen plenty. Um, so hopefully we get to see them in other places. I would really love to see Malcolm Bivens in impact. I think he's like the perfect manager for them, uh, just because he wouldn't get lost like in AEW and Dexter Loomis would probably fit in really well in impact. Same with Dakota Kai, the women's division's great in impact, but also, She's a great person to have for AEW as well. Um, so, yeah, and then Harlan had a ton of potential. Um, I, I know his in-ring wasn't up to scuff yet, but that's not really his fault. He just got signed, like, what, late last year? So I think he can definitely develop into something bigger. Um, he had a lot of hype behind him. So, uh, yeah, definitely excited to see where these people end up. Um, and, yeah, so that's... That's one bit of bad news. We're going to continue on with releases. Different company, though. Um, It appears as though Stu Grayson has either been released or just let his contract expire. More likely, just let it expire. Um, Dave Meltzer reported that he, you know, is not listed on AEW's roster page anymore. And that there might have been some disagreement about money. Which, you know, Stu Grayson, great talent. um, Part of the Dark Order. And kind of an essential part of the Dark Order, if you ask me. So a little bit weird. But, yeah, he's seemingly not with the company anymore. Going to look forward to seeing him anywhere. I I mean, this guy is top tier. uh, Really fun wrestler. Um, So, yeah, that's the bad news. We got it out of the way. Let's move on to some good news. Uh, This is a story I wanted to cover just because... Oh, actually, my bad, you guys. I really just pulled a 180 on you. 
let's get back to like more kind of bad news, I guess. Uh, Roderick Strong has reportedly recently asked for his release. He was pitched a name change and wasn't really up for that. Um, and that's kind of a weird situation too, because honestly, NXT doesn't need Roddy. And I love that he's in NXT 2.0, or sorry, in NXT UK doing his thing. Probably going to, you know, leave soon because he already faced Dragunov. But um, yeah, I mean, they don't really need him. And if he wants to leave, I think he should, you know, be able to leave. His wife is already in AEW, and he just would fit really well into the Undisputed Elite storyline. So yeah, that's it, though. That's, That's the last bit of, like, bad news. Now, we could talk about the story that I kind of, before I took my hiatus, this was one of the last episodes I talked about, was the Up Up Down Down team going on strike, you know, to uh, help out Xavier Woods. They felt he wasn't getting his uh, just due, his due diligence, just due, whatever the the phrase is. Um, So Up Up Down Down has announced that they're back. It's kind of unclear, though, what direction they're going to take. It's not a huge story. I just thought it'd be... You know, I talked about it earlier. Let's kind of do the follow-up. Um, and then following that, I have some results for some shows that I wasn't able to watch, but they are kind of important. So um, first off, Daniel Garcia, uh, dethroned Bandito, who I guess reigned for like 800 days as the PWG world champion. Uh, he dethroned him at PWG's Delivering the Goods event, which we'll probably never see unless you buy the Blu-ray. Uh, so he defeated him in the main event. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know if they'll necessarily talk about it on Dynamite, but we'll see. Moving forward, though, we had uh, Wrestling Dontaku take place, uh, New Japan's uh, Wrestling Dontaku, and it was kind of a big night for Bullet Club, uh, which makes sense. Today I'm recording it on Bullet Club's birthday, apparently, um, and they had just a strong showing. Balak Fale and Chase Owens dethroned the United Empire team of Great Okan and Jeff Cobb to win the tag titles. Uh, Taiji Ishimori defeated um, El Desperado for the junior title. And her, and then we got a twist. Her, uh, Tanahashi defeated Ishii to win the vacated uh, U.S. title. And Juice Robinson comes out and attacks Tanahashi, officially joining Bullet Club. Um, so big moment there, big moment. Um, Okada ret- uh, retained against Naito, and Jay White came out and attacked Okada, and Bullet Club came out in full force celebration, baby. They started beating up Okada, and then they're too sweet all over the place. So big night for Bullet Club. This isn't my favorite version of Bullet Club, obviously, uh, but I think they have some really stellar talent still, like Ishimori, like El Desperado, and Jay White. Um, but that's really about all the ones I care about, but still pretty big deal. And so this set up four matches that were announced for New Japan's upcoming Dominion pay-per-view. It will be Kadushna Okada versus Jay White uh, for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The Never Openweight Championship, Tom Tamatanga is taking on uh, Bullet Club member Carl Anderson. And then the tag titles will be defended as Bullet Club's Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale will take on Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon again. Uh, they won in a triple threat, so I'm guessing that Cobb and Ocon weren't pinned there. And then the King of Pro Wrestling Provisional Trophy will be on the line as Shingo Takagi takes on Taichi 
which is disappointing because I love Shingo and he should be much higher on the card. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all the news bits I wanted to cover today. Like I said, we ripped that band-aid off early. We ripped it off and then it was still kind of on, so I had to pull it more. So sorry about that. But we can move on to some WWE um, news. Well, not news. Some WWE show reviewing as we start off with Friday Night Smackdown. And before I get into the beat by beat of the show, um, I will just say overall, I felt like WWE brought it this week. SmackDown was a pretty enjoyable show, and Monday Night Raw delivered as well in some really fun ways. Um, it, they weren't, well, I was I was going to say they weren't the most impactful, but there is one impact that I think is uh, going to be talked about pretty extensively today. But the most part, you know, you just had some good story progressions. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed myself watching WWE programming this week. So I'd definitely check out at the least the Hulu versions of WWE Raw and SmackDown because, you know, they cut it by like a good chunk and you get all the important stuff. So yeah, let's talk about SmackDown though. As we started off the show with Drew McIntyre taking on Sami Zayn in a steel cage match. Um, this is a really fun steel cage match. It played into both of their characters really well and I especially love the finish here um, it sees Sami Zayn trying to escape the cage as he was doing a million times in this match and he crotches Drew McIntyre and so he's trying to escape Drew springs up grabs him by the hair gives him a superplex from the top of the cage and then he goes for a claymore he hits a claymore gets a one two three a clean win for Drew McIntyre in a steel cage match it was really refreshing to get a pinfall in a steel cage. Uh, very often in WWE steel cage matches, they just do the escape route, which leaves a lot of uh, room. They're treated like transitionary matches is my biggest gripe. And um, and sometimes it goes against the character of the people in the match, and this one fit it perfectly. Obviously, Sammy was going to try to escape any chance he could, but Drew, being you know the guy who actually wants to fight, he didn't try to escape when he could. He tried to win the match honorably. I really enjoyed it. It was a good match. Um, and it looks like this feud has kind of wrapped up, which I'm a little sad for. I kind of thought it would continue on into WrestleMania Backlash. But I, I think it, it ran its course and it did a good job of building up both Sammy and Drew, really fleshing out some new bits of Sammy's character. Following that, we have a Charlotte promo. She essentially says she doesn't get humili humiliated and that she's going to win the Beat the Clock Challenge tonight, which I love Beat the Clock Challenge. So I'm, I was already hyped when they announced this. Um, following that, we have Happy Talk, which I hate to say it, but Happy Talk this week was better. I don't know if it was better, but it was at least on par with Ms. TV in terms of like, I'm still embarrassed if anyone walked in on me. But I'm not as embarrassed as I normally was. Uh, so Corbin says the show has drastically improved without uh, Riddick Moss's bad jokes, which is true, very true. But that also was self-imposed. Um, he says that he took the Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy because he made Moss the man he is. So therefore, he kind of owes him the trophy. Um, then he reveals he's going to destroy the trophy. So the trophy gets an entrance. It's brought out by these guys. And then the sledgehammer is about to be handed to Corbin. But the crowd already sees that Moss is the one with the sledgehammer. So Moss takes a big old swing at Corbin instead with the sledgehammer. He misses. It kind of slips. They brawl. And uh, yeah, it, 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 
it's reveal the reveal was good and the brawl was fine and then now moss is reunited with his trophy so good story beat there didn't overstay its welcome for me um like they these segments normally do following that we have an intercontinental championship match between ricochet and shanky um this is a fine match ricochet kind of carries any match he's in with like lumbering guys um, so the finish sees Jinder pull Ricochet off the top rope, allowing Shanky to get him up for like a fireman's carry, but then Ricochet crawls down his back for a sunset pin for the win. And this kind of brings some tension to Shanky and Jinder even more with uh, Jinder like walking off kind of mad. So that's interesting stuff. Following this, we get a Raquel interview and she's nervous. That's basically it. She just says that she has butterflies in her stomach about her first match on SmackDown. And then we get that match. Raquel, Renz- Raquel Rodriguez, not Gonzalez, takes on Kat Cardoza. Um, it's a pretty standard squash match. Uh, Cardoza gets a little bit of offense in. She goes for a pump kick, but then is caught with a chingona bomb, which I absolutely love the name of. Following that, we have Ludwig hyping up Volter. Um, just basically just hyping him up, and I like it. Uh, like I said last week, I like that Walter got to keep his ring general. Um, unfortunately, he did not get to keep his name, but that's okay. I also love the name Ludwig. I don't know if I mentioned that last time. Uh, one of my best friends has a dog named Ludwig, and we secretly think he runs the world. Um, so I love when anyone's named Ludwig. Following this, we get the RK Bro and Usos contract signing. Um, this is where I got a little bit upset. And it's not necessarily anything they did in this signing itself because I actually found this quite entertaining, um, especially when Jimmy said, y'all are the twos because we the ones. I, I don't know why I pop every time he does that joke. Um, so, yeah, let's just get into this. So Jimmy says, RK bro, the twos and they the ones. And then Riddle says he can't tell the Usos apart. So Randy helps him out by reminding us that Jay is the right-hand man and Jimmy is the right-hand bitch. And then a brawl breaks out. Roman joins in. He rips up the contract. He starts beating up on him. Beat, beat, beat him up. Smashing him. And then Drew comes in. He makes a save. Tossing Roman around. And you think, okay, fine. We're not going to get a Shinsuke feud, clearly. But at least we're still going to get title unification. No. Wrong. After this, Paul Heyman's backstage with Pierce. He's demanding that the unification bout be made into a trios match instead. But Pierce refuses, but Paul says he's going to file a complaint with the board to force his hand, and he does, and it's announced that instead of a unification bout, we will be getting a trios match between Roman and the Usos, the bloodline, they the ones, versus RK-Bro with Drew McIntyre. I don't like this. This was the biggest downer for me because I was enjoying the build you know, it's in the unification match. As I mentioned, I felt like the match felt big. And that's really hard to do. And this feels smaller. Um, and they didn't make it any better with Monday Night Raw, unfortunately. I was holding out a little bit of hope that on Raw they would explain. Like, maybe make this winner take all, you know. And then, unfortunately, that would guarantee the Usos would win. But, at the least, we still get the unification battle. And you still had built to this. And it kind of meant something. Now this trios match has no real stakes, so it doesn't really mean much. Uh, so we're going to see how this goes. I kind of just predict that Drew's going to claim more kick, one of the Usos, and that's going to be the end of that. 
and then we're going to get Drew and Roman for a while. Um, which, again, they dropped the entire Shinsuke thing. Uh, so I don't know what happened there, um, but I was looking forward to a Shinsuke Roman match, so that kind of sucks. Um, but following that, so, well, yeah, let's just let's just move on. We'll, we'll probably talk about this more in Raw anyway because we kind of had the same segment. Uh, so following that, we had Naomi with Sasha Banks taking on Natalia with Shayna Baszler. Um, the tag title match is confirmed for Backlash uh, before this match or maybe even during it. Uh, but it's a pretty decent match. Naomi gets a roll-up uh, for the win and then kind of all hell breaks loose with the baddies going on top. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an alright match. Following that, we have Ridge, Holland, and Sheamus. They're looking for Butch. They're putting up signs all over the arena. And it's revealed that Ridge has been doing the signs in the same spot as Sheamus. So that was pretty stupid. And then uh, Sheamus said that they they welcome the New Day to fight night. And that's whatever. So we have that next. We have Ridge Holland with Sheamus taking on Xavier Woods. I actually like this bit. Because Kofi comes out uh, during the entrance and he's talking mad shit. <laughs> and I love it. He calls uh, Sheamus a resident thought because of how many teams he has. And he gets people to call him Shake It Sheamus. Um, and so, yeah, it's it a pretty fun little bit there at the beginning. Then we have the match. And it's fine. You know, it's Woods and Ridge Holland. And Woods wins with a back uh, backwoods. And then so Sheamus gets on the mic and he's like, I'm going to show you how it's done. And he challenges Kofi to an impromptu match. This I like. I much more prefer this than when they do a match and then it gets DQ'd and then we get a tag match. This is, you see the resolution of one match and you've built the other one right there in the same segment. It's a, It was a good bit. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then we get like a really fun match between Kofi and Sheamus. Keep in mind, these are two former WWE champions. Um, we get a like bro kick attempt that goes into an SOS and then Kofi looks for an axe handle but then eats a flying knee and then a bro kick and Sheamus picks up the win here. After the match, Woods gets put through a table on the outside. Ridge barely got him up for that powerbomb. Oh, I was nervous. And then so naturally New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland is going to be a tables match at uh, this upcoming Friday Night Smackdown. So that should be a fun match. Following that, we have Lacey Evans. Um, she's giving another really sad story about her life. And like I said before, I'm waiting until this like plays out in the ring. I don't really want to comment on the subject matter of what she's talking about. Um, but yeah, this is really dark stuff. So we'll see how it turns out in the ring and what kind of character this gives her. Um, but following that, we have the main event segments. We have the I Quit Beat the Clock Challenges. So the goal is for Ronda Rousey to make her opponent quit uh, in a certain amount of time or however long it takes. And then Charlotte has to beat that amount of time. So Ronda took on Shotzi and she gets her to tap out in a minute and 41 seconds. Which, caveat, I don't like that Shotzi had to be in this position, but I still like the stipulation. So... Minute 41 is the time to beat. Charlotte is taking on Aaliyah. And this ends in a time limit draw because Flair takes just a little bit too long locking in that figure eight. Um, and so a time limit draw is technically a loss. Um, so she takes out her frustrations on the poor timekeeper, Drew Gulak, which I forgot to mention Drew Gulak was timekeeping tonight. Uh, she hits him with a big boot, gets him in the ring, and then hits him with the ring bell to close out SmackDown. Um, I like that this was the main event segment. 
because it's, you know, it had some uh, urgency to it. A beat the clock challenge is great for adding urgency. Um, and it's a good bit to the feud that doesn't involve talking because Ronda Rousey is not a good talker. Um, so I thought this was really creative and another way that I enjoyed SmackDown. So following that, let's discuss Monday Night Raw. This had some expectation from me, so my enjoyment of it wasn't as high um, just because I wanted an explanation for the Bloodline RK Bro stuff. And really what I was looking for was just Roman saying I saying anything really, just saying like I had Paul Heyman not do the unification match because I don't trust that you guys could win it because you guys keep losing the riddle or anything like that. Even just, you know, he wants to, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just do something. Uh, so yeah, that we start off raw though with the bloodline and RK bro, uh, bloodline bloodline makes it to the ring first, but there's sne- they get a sneak attack from RK bro and Drew McIntyre. And it's a good brawl, but like, I wanted an explanation and we didn't get it and we don't get it actually we never get it uh so maybe this smackdown will get something at the least they need to make it winner take all um if they're getting cold feet about the unification of the tag titles i would just ask why i think this is a good move you get to have your biggest stars rk bro or the usos on both shows um, actually, you get to have both of them on both shows because now the tag title division is unified. So, yeah, I, I really don't see why they would have cold feet on this. Uh, if they want to make it a bigger match, which I still don't think that winner take all is a bigger match because it makes it a little more, it makes it a lot more predictable. Um, but yeah, if they feel like that would make it a bigger match, I'm fine with it. Just give me title unification. Um, but anyways. After this, we get shown like a clip from earlier in the day. It's Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens just getting in an argument with the Street Profits and Ezekiel. Um, it starts off with like the Street Profits, they're drinking out of their solo cups. And Ezekiel walks up and so they hand him a solo cup. And Ezekiel sells the cup. Like I'm guaranteeing you that they're drunk. They are getting drunk. And so Alpha Academy show up. Chad Gable calls him out for drinking during the day. And it ends with KO throwing a drink in Ezekiel's face. And then we have the match next. It's Kevin Owens and Alpha Academy taking on Ezekiel and the Street Profits. Really fun match uh, that sees Gable get the win on Ezekiel after a Kevin Owens assist. Following that, we have an AJ Styles interview. He says that Priest is barred from ringside at Backlash. That's pretty much the gist of it. He got that stipulation added to the match. And then following that, we have another backstage bit with Sonya and Adam Pierce. She says she doesn't understand why people are saying she's abusing her power. And Pierce just straight up calls her out on it. She was. And says that the higher-ups want Sonya to just be an in-ring competitor for tonight. Uh, so Pierce says tonight it will be Sonya, Rhea Ripley, and Becky Lynch taking on the face team of Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Liv Morgan. Um, Sonya asks if she can make this a no hordes board match and Pierce says no and says that Sonya has no power tonight. Uh, so that's that's a fun bit to this uh, story that I, I enjoy. As I mentioned before, I wanted you know her internal investigation to play in more and it's working. I like it. Um, and it also seems like wherever Pierce is, like the more they spotlight Pierce, the better. 
uh, in my opinion, I really just enjoy like these two, Sonya and Pierce, their chemistry together. It adds a lot of logic to the shows. It's not overbearing. It's not like Shane McMahon, you know? It's not like Vince. This is just very, it's almost like a known island of their own thing, and it's fun. I enjoy it. Following that, we have Veer Mahan squashing the hometown boy, coming all over Burt Hansen. Um, and then he does the typical like attack after. Uh, like I said before, I'm cool with the squash matches, but you got to do something. I would love if someone stood up to Veer after, you know, in, during his post-match beatdowns. I just don't quite know who that would be. And I don't know if Veer is ready for a match match, so they might just be buying their time right now. So we'll see. Um, following this, we get an Edge promo um, as he's walking down to the ring with Damian Priest. Um, like I said last week, stop having Edge come after people's sports teams. It's so beneath him. Uh, but he congratulates AJ Styles for getting that stipulation added to their match at uh, Backlash. But he said tonight you'll have to face his punishment, which is Punishment Martinez, Damian Priest. Um, and that matches right now. Damian Priest versus AJ Styles. Priest loses this one after a roll-up, even with help from Edge. Uh, so after the match, they attack. They strike him down. They start beating him up. And then they look to hit him with chairs. And then Finn Balor comes out. And he gives a big old fat kiss with his fingers to AJ Styles, running off the baddie. So we have a Finn Balor and AJ Styles reunion which for some reason I don't care about nearly as much as I used to, but it's still kind of cool to see. Um, at this point, I think I'd rather just them feud. I'd rather uh, Finn Balor, I don't know, join Edge and take over the talking bit for Edge. So I don't know. I don't I don't want to be too downer on this. This is a cool moment, and this is something that I think we've all wanted forever. But doesn't it feel like it's just a little bit too late? Um, but that being said... Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see where this goes. I'm cautiously optimistic. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so following that, we have MVP with Amos backstage. And seemingly they're just talking about like body parts and stuff that Amos can do. Like he, I think he uttered like, I'm going to break him in half and eat his bones. I don't know. It was, it was really weird. So Cedric comes in and he's like, MVP, man, I want to work with you because we were the Hurt Business and we were really good together. It was the top of my career. MVP says, no, I'm moving on to better things. Um, so Cedric's like, well, I've arranged a match against Lashley. If I could show you what I got, then, you know, maybe. And MVP's like, yeah, sure, I'll watch that. And so, and then Cedric wants to talk more and Amos just tells him to leave. I really enjoyed this bit. Good little callback. Um... We'll talk about this after the match. Uh, we'll talk about what I want for Cedric. Um, but anyways, following that, we have Miz TV. Uh, Mustafa Ali is the guest this week. And the Miz rigged a mic to bust on Ali. And so Ali gets in his face, takes the working mic. Um, he's kind of, you know, just... It's a kind of generic heel and face back and forth. tying, Still tying in the fact that Ali asked for his release. And Ali kind of had a good comeback with, like... Well, we all know who the WWE fans wishes actually wasn't here, and it's The Miz. Uh, but anyways, Theory comes out, and he says that uh, his loss last week has been sponged by Vince McMahon. 
and Ali wants to earn a title shot, and Theory says that he can earn a title shot in this championship contenders match, and so Ali's like, sure, let's do this, but Theory forgot to tell him that it's actually a championship contenders match handicap match, Uh, so it'll be Theory and Ali, or sorry, Theory and The Miz taking on Ali, and so we get that next. Ali fights the good fight, but a blind tag to The Miz and a skull-crushing finale puts him away um, for the three count, and then Ciampa comes in the ring and beats him up, just rubbing salt all over the wound, Uh, and yeah, this is uh, fine stuff, I'm cool with it, I think, I don't know, I, I like the pairing of Theory and The Miz, I think it's natural. I think it helps him out to really build his heel persona with someone so established like that. And I like that they're interweaving Ciampa in here, um, going after Ali. We don't quite know Ciampa's motivations yet, so I think that'll like help put things into perspective too. And Ali feels like he's on his own. He's on. He's got a three-on-one three beatdown going for him. So it'd be interesting to see if he tries to recruit anyone to help him. Or if he's just going to go out this alone. So yeah, I think I'm fine with where this is at right now. And Ali puts on good matches every time. So um, I can keep watching this. Following this, we have some 24-7 division shenanigans. As Nikki A.S.H. was revealed to have rolled up Dana Brooke. And won the title from Dana Brooke. So Dana tells Reggie to get her a match with Nikki or else they'll get divorced. So he gets her a match. That match happens. Dana ends up winning it. After the match, uh, Tozawa and Truth try to roll her up. Like, both of them just trying to roll her up. Uh, They fail. She goes to the outside. And then Reggie, her own husband, tries to roll her up. And she kicks out. And she smacks Reggie right across the face. And declares divorce. Um, This was fun enough. I've been enjoying the 24-7 Division stuff. And I really... Got a kick out of Reggie trying to roll up his own wife because why wouldn't you? That's, that's good. To, that's a good decision to make. Um, so following that, though, we have Becky Lynch. She's getting interviewed. She says that Asuka has never faced big time Bex and that this is her comeback story. She has some great mannerisms during this. Uh, she's really selling like the emotion of and the vulnerability that it was to say that she hit rock bottom. And she calls... She calls back to her handing Asuka the title. She said that she kept her promise. You know, she said, I'm going to become a mom and you stay here and become a or be a warrior. And well, she kept up her end of the deal, but Asuka hasn't. Uh, so yeah, this is pretty good stuff. I enjoyed it. And I can't wait to see what happens next. I really am so excited for this feud. Um, and then following that, we have Becky Lynch's husband. Seth Rollins. It's Seth Rollins Appreciation Night, don't you know? Um, And people love him, man. People love Seth Rollins. They're singing his theme the entire time. They even start singing it when it's not there. And then he says he's going to remind everyone how good uh, he is. Well, actually, before that, he gets in the ring. He's just kind of gloating, blah, blah, blah. And then he mentions Cody. And so the crowd starts going, Cody, Cody. And this really sets him off. He says, you're just, you're all fickle and you're going to forget about him because look how good I am. I made a highlight reel and I'm going to play it here. So he, he like points to the Tron, lights go out, but then <laughs> Cody's music hits and he goes, no, no, no. It's a great sell from, uh, from Seth. Uh, so then Cody comes down to the ring 
he, he's kind of like, what is this all about, dude? And uh, he calls him delusional. He calls Seth delusional, that he's crossed the line and he's delusional. Um, this really sets off Seth. Seth brings up Daddy Dusty and how he was an egomaniac just like Cody and says that Dusty wasn't good enough to be champion. Neither is Cody because Seth Rollins is here. And then a brawl breaks out. Cody hits his cutter and tosses Seth's jacket into the crowd, which was a really... Like, I don't know why, but I felt like him throwing the jack into the crowd was unexpected in WWE. Like, they don't do stuff like that. I might be wrong. I mean, John Cena throws his shirt out to the crowd every time he comes and makes an entrance. But, like, they typically just don't do things like that. I don't know. It felt organic. Let's just say that. So, following that, we have Bobby Lashley taking on Cedric Alexander. Um, this was a good match. And uh, the best part of this match this is probably, like, WWE moment of the week for me. I really enjoyed this bit. So Cedric's kind of on the upper hand. He's pounding down on Lashley in the corner. And MVP comes to the ramp. And he's just trash talking the whole rest of the match. And then the crowd is starting to get behind Bobby. And he's like, don't do that. He don't need that. Don't hype him up. And then Bobby wins. He puts on the hurt lock. He holds on to it a little bit after the bell to really send a message. Um, and then the two giants just look at each other a little uh, real menacingly. I really enjoyed that bit though, coming out there. It reminded me of uh, Booker T in TNA when he was just beating up people and on commentary. It's good stuff. Uh, but following that, we have a Liv Morgan interview, and she just basically says that uh, her attack on Rhea was just her evening the score, which is technically true. Um, and then following that, we have Nikki ASH in the back. Dewdrop approaches her, and she's like, Are You ready to get serious? And um, Nikki says, yes, I am ready for this. This should be fun. Nikki and Dewdrop should be a lot of fun. Nikki Cross and Piper Nivens. I would. I really hope that both of them change their name back. I don't. I really doubt they will. But at the least, give Dewdrop a new name. That name is so bad. It's it's possibly the worst one. It's so bad. But I'm excited for whatever this means. I definitely want to see them as tag champions. Uh, they could be great foils for Naomi and Sasha once they're done with Natalia and uh, Shayna Baszler. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how this goes. But following that, we have the main event. Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley, and uh, Sonya Deville taking on Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Liv Morgan. This is a really good main event um, that has a really fun sequence where, like, Sonya's on the apron and Asuka gives her that hip attack, and that sends Sonya off the apron down the floor, but Liv is down there and gives her like a code breaker on the floor. Really good stuff. Uh, but the finish sees uh, Sonya get her submission broken up, and so Liv hits another one of those code breaker things, and boom, end of the match. The faces celebrate. Good stuff. Definitely watch it. Um, and that was the WWE product. Like I said, my main gripe this week was just that Roman stuff. They need to explain why it's not going to be unif title unification anymore. Um, at at the least, at the least, just Roman has to say something about it. Um, but overall, WWE really brought it this week. It was a good week of WWE wrestling. Um, I'd highly recommend you guys checking that out. Alrighty, you guys, let's get into some AEW next up. Uh, we have AEW Dynamite from last week, which opened up with my match of the week. Dax Hartwood taking on his partner, his FTR brother, 
Cash Wheeler. This is a really fun match. Highly recommend. Can't recommend it enough, in fact. Um, just a lot of good technical wrestling, physical storytelling. Um, in the end, Cash has his leg kind of messed up. So Dax is looking for a sharpshooter, but he hesitates. He's like, man, I don't know if I want to mess my partner up like this. And in that brief second of hesitation, Cash is able to get him in for a backwoods, but Dax reverses the backwoods for his own backwoods, and he wins. These two embrace afterwards. Seems like they're all cool. We had CM Punk on commentary for this match, who was like, man, I really don't like the guys they hang around with, but man, I love, you know, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. They're good guys. So yeah, Dax Harwood officially qualifies for the Owen Cup. He's clearly not going to win it, but he's a good addition. Uh, after the match, it's made official that CM Punk will face Hangman Adam Page for the title. Uh, Punk comes down the ring. He gives a promo saying he doesn't know if he'll win, but he's definitely going to try. Um, apparently, this segment got really rewritten because of Hangman Page contracting COVID. So that's really unfortunate. And hopefully he's doing all right. Um, but yeah, so I'm still looking forward to this match. I bet you whatever's coming this week will make up for it. Uh, plenty following this we have Scorpio Sky uh, doing a promo he says that he didn't ask his friend Frankie Kazarian to step aside just so he can lose to Sammy Guevara tonight so he's gonna beat Sammy in this ladder match no matter what and uh, yeah he spoiler alert he does following that we have uh, the Blackpool Combat Club taking on the factory uh, with QT Marshall Aaron Solo and Nick Camarado representing the factory this is a pretty typical trios match from this team as Yuta and the lads just take it to their opponents with some brawling. And then it ends with Yuta rolling up the biggest guy in the match, uh, Nick Camarado, for the win. Following this, go backstage. Tony Schiavone is uh, talking to Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, she says it's her and Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. And Tony is like, you have Jamie. So let me introduce you to my friend, Ruby Soho, who I love. And Ruby says that Owen Hart once said, enough is enough. It's time for a change. Hater laughs at her. Uh, Ruby challenges Britt and Jamie to a match, but Britt declines. She says that she and Jamie need to go talk strategy in Ruby's home of catering um, heat right there. I'm, I'm really excited for this match. Um, and then following that, we have Lance Archer taking on Wardlow. Uh, MJF is up in the rafters again, or not the rafters, the box in popcorn doing his thing. You know, he thinks he's got in the bag. He hired a murder hawk, you know, uh, but it's pretty much the same as last week. Lance got a little bit more offense, did like a big plancha over the top rope onto Wardlow and all the security guards. But nonetheless, he falls to four power bombs. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, still good stuff. Warlow's still super over. I'm, I gotta say, like, as much as I like in-ring storytelling, this whole, like, mystery opponent thing isn't hitting like it did before. Maybe because he's already done this bit with Jericho. Um, but it is a great way to get talent on TV that you wouldn't normally see, or even just debut new talent, as we'll talk about later on. So I guess I'll stick with it. Um, it's just really kind of predictable. It's more for the, it's definitely for the live crowd, you know, to really feed into Wardlow. And it's working because Wardlow gets a big response every time he's out there. So, yeah. Following this, we have the Jericho Appreciation Society and Eddie Kingston, his buddies, facing off. Um, this is heated. 
this is heated. A lot of tension here. I really enjoyed this bit. Um, you know, a lot of trash talks spoken between these two. Eddie, like, gets in Jericho's face. And he's like, I don't care about nothing. I don't care about five on three, whatever. And Jericho snaps back at him. Yeah, that's right. You're stupid. It's five on three, moron. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Eddie eventually gets in his face and just like won't let up. And so Jericho is just sitting down, petrified to move. And Eddie's just talking about dropping a body because he's already done it. He'll murder somebody. It's great intensity here from Eddie. It makes the whole segment. Anyone else, this would have been cheesy. Uh, but following that, we have the Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb Philly street fight. I wanted to love this match more. They definitely robbed us of time here because this, I mean, it was a commercial break match, but it's just, I don't know. I wish this would have happened some other time or they had given like the entire main event to this. Uh, but this is still really fun as it was always going to be because it's Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb. So we get some really fun weapon spots, um, a good bit of storytelling when Serena like uses a fire extinguisher and gets it in Serena in uh, Hikaru Shida's eye, so she's kind of selling that, and she picks up the kendo stick and starts whacking away, and she can't find her, and then she finally finds her and starts whacking. Then she goes ringside and like gets some water and puts it over herself so that way she can see again. It's a great bit, uh, but eventually Serena Deeb is able to uh, beat Shida again by slamming Shida's knee into a chair. And then locking it in the cloverleaf for the win. Uh, Thunder Rosa was watching this match backstage. So I think that's the match. Serena D versus Rosa. That's going to be really good. Um, unfortunately for Rosa, I think I'm going to be rooting for Serena D. I love Serena D, man. But then following this, we have MJF. He's mad. He's super mad. But he calls up a mystery opponent for Wardlow. He has, uh, he's on the phone with them. He's like, how you feel about making six figures? And the guy apparently says yes. MJF hangs up, says that next week Wardlow will face someone who's bigger than him and stronger than him, and you can't teach that. Uh, clearly, it's going to be W. Morsey, or um, as some people would know him as Big Cass. Um, so that should be interesting. W. Morsey has been doing great work on Impact. Um, really getting he he's like really uh credited credited his work lately to getting his life back on track and i'm always a fan of that you know you gotta get people their second chances and that's great to hear that he's on that road and he's doing well so gonna be cool to see him get murdered by Warlow. um but then back in the rain the lights go out it looks like fuego del sol is lying in a spotlight and malachi black brody king and buddy matthews the house of black are making their way down malachi is about to remove fuego's mask but then Alex comes to the ring. Uh, he says it's time for House of Black to get uh, blindsided. So Pento Scuro makes his way out. And then Pac makes his way out on the ramp. And so, you know, it's them two on the ramp. It's House of Black in the ring. They're looking at him. But then behind them, Ray Phoenix in all white shows up with a shovel and starts swinging at everybody. Uh, Malachi and King retreat. But... Matthews stays and fights he gets taken out uh, by Phoenix and yeah it's just good stuff we get a big old dive to the outside and the death triangle celebrate in the ring um love this I'm so glad Phoenix is back he has a, ma a match announced this coming dynamite against Dante Martin which I'm really happy about so yeah gonna be good stuff uh, following this we have Tony Schiavone backstage with both Swerve and Darby Allen 
Swerve says uh, that he's looking forward to turning Rampage into Swerve's house. Darby says that Swerve can't keep coming into companies and calling it his house. It's his house. Um, so yeah, it, this is like a simple enough build to a really good match. So following this, we get the Undisputed Elite taking on the team of Dante Martin, Lee Johnson, Brock Anderson, and the Varsity Blondes. Again, really don't like Dante being part of this job squad, but that might be over for him uh, with this Owen Hart qualifier. We'll see. Um, but it's a fun match nonetheless that sees Lee eat a BTE trigger from every member of the Elite. Um, and then a last shot from Cole for the Undisputed Elite to get the win. After the match, Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish put on these Undisputed Elite shirts. And Cole hands one to the Bucks, but they put it down. And they all, uh, oh, sorry, he hands one to the Bucks and they put it on and they all pose in the center of the ring. My bad. I, for, I don't know why I thought something else. But uh, yeah, they all have new shirts. They're generic, but they're new. Following that, commentary says that the camera needs to cut backstage because Santana and Ortiz are down in the parking lot and the Jericho Appreciation Society are just being rude. They fire uh, a fireball into Kingston's eyes and it's it's a good spot. Uh, I forgot to mention that earlier Garcia called out Eddie Kingston for having such trimmed eyebrows. So I kind of think that he's going to have his eyebrows burned off. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but following that, we have our main event of Dynamite for the evening. Sammy Guevara taking on Scorpio Sky in a crazy ladder match. Um, this is a good ladder match. There's great physical storytelling here. We have some fun run-ins. Very uh, reminiscent of the WrestleMania 17 TLC match. I think that one was the TLC. Um, either way, you remember Spike Dudley and Lita all running in. This has some really fun run-ins. Kind of gave you the feeling of an ECW match too. Really good stuff. Um, man, Sammy, Sammy does a Phoenix Splash off the ladder onto a standing Scorpio Sky. And Scorpio Sky can't catch him because how are you supposed to catch someone doing a Phoenix Splash? And so Sammy just nails, eats nothing right on his shoulder. It looked rough. Uh, later on in the match though, they pull out a barbed wire ladder. Why? I don't know. Um, and that thing kind of gets no sold. Like they do a Spanish fly on it and then towards the finish, which I thought was the finish, um, it's Sammy and Scorpio like battling on top of the ladder and Scorpio knocks Sammy onto the barbed wire ladder. And you're like, okay, this is it. That's it, right? And no, Sammy gets back up in like less than 40 seconds, springboards onto the ladder and then has to get knocked off a second time for the win for Scorpio Sky, becoming a two-time, I think it's two-time or three-time, however many times, Scorpio Sky is the TNT champion. Uh, like I said, I would, I think they should have just stopped after that barbed wire ladder spot, but it was a good match, and um, he pulls down the title. He wins it. Frankie Kazarian comes out to celebrate with him, possibly teasing like a split away from Dan Lamberg. I don't know it's still weird because I can't buy Dan Lamberg as a face. I'm glad he doesn't talk as much as a face though. So maybe I'll buy him just based off that alone. Um, so yeah, that was dynamite. Pretty decent show bookended by some really good matches. I just wish they would have gave that Philly street fight some more shine. Um, but yeah, following that, we're going to talk about 
AW Rampage, their other show. Um, to start off the show, we had Swerve Strickland taking on Darby Allen in a really good match. Really good match. That had to see some interference from Ricky Starks that ends up costing uh, Swerve the match. Again, I wish Swerve would have won it, but I see the story that they're telling here, and so, you know, I'll deal with it. Um, I want Swerve, though, not to get lost in the shuffle. This guy has everything you need. Uh, but following that, we are backstage with some moody lighting, and we see Sean Spears hyping up the mystery opponent, saying that he's seven feet tall, and he has PP, Pinnacle Potential, uh, which is kind of an interesting wrinkle, like bringing in W. Morrissey into the Pinnacle could be kind of cool. Um, but then back at the desk, Excalibur is asking Chris about the attack to Eddie with the fireball, and Chris just no-sells in, names himself, uh, he names himself Sports Entertainer of the Week. But then Santana and Ortiz come out. This is a really good bit. Like, being a kid who went to some ghetto middle schools, I have seen this. Uh, so essentially, Santana came out it came out first. He rushes uh, Chris Jericho, and he just gets him on the ground. He's kind of like toying with him, just smacking him around, right? And Ortiz is literally holding guard. Uh, like, I don't remember what it's called. It's a it's a basketball thing. Damn, I wish I would remember. But you know, he's making himself an a, an obstacle so that way when the security come, they have to go through him. Essentially, it's a good bit. It's a really good bit. And Santana gets fired up, and the crowd is really behind them. So it's really great. Also, Santana is so jacked. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's a really good bit. I recommend you watch that bit alone. Uh, but following that, we had a Jay Cargill, Kiara Hogan, and Red Velvet taking on Willow Nightingale. Trish, Adora, and Sky Blue. Um, right off the bat, the baddie section has great chemistry. I'm so glad that they've thought of this and gave Jade her own faction because this works really well. This match is really fun. This was the match of Dynamite. Like I enjoyed this one the most. And um, it's stacked with talent, man. All six of these women are what you should be building your division around, especially with Ring of, Ring of Honor coming up. These are great talents to have. Uh, Trisha Dora has been making a lot of waves on the independent scene, and I'd barely seen any of her work because, you know, it's just kind of tough. But seeing her in this stage, she felt like she belonged. I was really happy with this. Uh, but Jade, she hits Adora with a Jaded for the win here. Just really good stuff. Definitely go out of your way to watch that. Following that, though, we have Tony Schiavone backstage with Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland. Darby says he didn't want it to end like that and Swerve says that um he knew that Darby had nothing to do with it so you know whatever he says that he's gonna get his him and Keith Lee are gonna get theirs against Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs uh speaking of which Keith Lee had a match against the ass boy himself Colton Gunn and it's a very easy win for Keith Lee following that we have Jeff Hardy uh talking up his first solo match in AEW coming up on Dynamite against Bobby Fish to qualify for the Owen Cup. Kind of a weird opponent for Jeff Hardy, but, you know, whatever. It should be fun. And following that, we have Dan Housen making his way down the ring. <laughs> He's so... Oh, I love Dan Housen so much. Ah, yes, it's me, Dan Housen. Very evil, very evil. Just, like, muttering. I love a mutterer. Um, <laughs> Hook makes his way down the ring. He and Dan Housen come face-to-face. Hook says, we're going to do this right now. And Mark Sterling comes down, interrupts, 
everything. He tells him to hold up. Do you guys want to see this match? And the crowd says yes. But then Tony Nese attacks Hook from behind. Uh, he then shifts his attention to Danhausen. Um, and then Sterling gets in the ring. Hook takes him out. Then fires back at Nese. Uh, and so they kind of retreat. Danhausen tries to shake Hook's hand. But Hook just grabs him by his lapel. And then he just lets him go. Um, I am so here for a Danhausen Hook team up. Um, I was thinking about this because I know a lot of people are going to say it was too silly for Hook or whatever, but I think when you have a character like Danhausen and Hook interact that are so diametrically opposed, it normally gives the person with less personality, this being Hook, like some more freedom to explore the character and really get to know him in a new way. Um, When you're faced with a situation that you just don't expect ever seeing, you see a different side of a person. And I think Hook could really benefit from that because right now we just know him as Taz's son and we love to send Hook, but we don't really know what is sending Hook, you know? (laughs) But yeah, I just think this is going to be a good little character moment for him. And him and Danhausen are, they're funny, man. They're really funny stuff. Um, But following that, we have the Acclaim and the Gun Club making an alliance. They're scissoring together now. Um, The the Gun Club were like making every excuse for Colton's loss. And then the Acclaim show up and they're just like, you guys want to scissor with us? And they're like, I don't know. We got to ask our daddy. (laughs) It's really good. It's really funny. I don't like necessarily either of these teams, but their alliance doesn't hurt anything. So it should be fine. Um, but then it's time for the main event. We have Samojo defending that Ring of Honor World Television Championship against Trent Beretta. Um, it's a good match. It's a really good match. Joe ends up winning with Inuranagi and then gets the Coquina Clutch locked in. Um, after the match, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Sanam Singh uh, interrupt and they kind of rush the ring. Um, Orange Cassidy does the shin kicks to Sanam Singh and it's so funny when he puts his hands up that he's still like his hands are not as tall as Singh is Um, so yeah a brawl ensues and the faces kind of end up all right they shake hands and stuff it was it was a good way to end Rampage Um, so yeah that's everything from this week in wrestling overall AEW was really fun too like this was a really good week in wrestling we had to start off with bad news, but by the end of it, I mean, we got some really good stuff to do. And um, I would definitely recommend going and watching um, the baddies match, that six-man. And then, of course, Beat the Clock Challenge is always fun. I don't know. We just had a lot to like this week. There's some stuff that I want clarification for, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, but, yeah, I also just recorded another YouTube video. We're going to be talking about the Roman Reigns experiment on that and i might just post the audio in podcast as well so keep out on the lookout for that um i also want to plug the, my patreon as i think i'm gonna just start uploading everything on there including the notes i take for any of these shows or for the podcast and the youtube videos so that way you guys don't have to like watch everything if you don't want to or there's like a log for y'all um so yeah and i'm gonna see about making it free to just like be a platform for me to post on but i'll tweet about that so make sure to follow me on twitter at hold for hold and the instagram at hold for hold and yeah you guys thank you guys for listening this long please leave a rating and review share this podcast um that would really help things out i really enjoy talking to you guys about wrestling especially on days where things kind of suck but at least i got to you know talk about silly stuff 
And um, yeah, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great day. Please stay safe wherever you are. And um, yeah, bye you guys.